Today we watched a show by women, for women, but secretly for no one, because these women don't understand women. We watched Designing Women, and I said women way too much. Do not attempt to adjust the picture. We are controlling transmission. 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 Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Musty TV, the podcast where you watch the first and last episode of a TV show. I'm Josh Phillips. I'm Liam Senior. Uh, we have a special guest today. Hey, guest. Hey, introduce yourself. Yeah, yeah. You know what? (laughs) Fuck you. You have to introduce yourself. You said, "Hey, guest." I okay. (laughs) All right, Johnny Carson, slow down with making your guests feel comfortable. Ah, that (laughs) makes you Ed McMahon. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah, nailed it in one. Hi there, everybody. My name is Eric McAdams. You may know me from other major cast network shows. That's wild and wacky stuff. Weird, wild stuff. <laughs> you shouldn't have said Carson. Yeah. Um, so... I didn't know I was going to tap into such a zeitgeist here. Oh, man. I mean, we're... Well, Josh and I watch a lot of television, and that's yeah. kind of how this podcast got started. I've never watched television. <laughs> this was Eric's first TV show. <laughs> we're sorry we made you watch this for your first TV uh, show. <laughs> so we decided, we've heard the name Designing Women thrown about in the TV yeah. world. So we decided to watch that, and wow, what a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like with this podcast, so, uh, uh, you know, we're just starting to finally release episodes and whatnot. And we've, wa- we've watched a, a couple of, uh, a lot of shows, and I always feel like, oh, we've broken the barrier. Like, it'll never get any worse. <laughs> uh, and we've thought that a couple times we have, now. We, we have thought it a couple times. Didn't think it'd be worse than Moesha. Now I, I long for the days of Moesha. Moesha was short comparatively. Like, it felt like it was, you were a quick death. This was like an agonizing death. So the ending anyway. <laughs> so should we jump into the? Yeah, let's just jump into it. So, this was basically CBS's answer to the Golden Girls. Came out a year after. <laughs> the question was, shit, what do we do? Yeah. We need to get these women's on a show. I hear they're popular <laughs> they now. They have one Southern woman. Let's make all of our Southern. They've got old women. We can have old values. Yeah. <laughs> 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 what are you, a Carson writer? <laughs> Apparently that's the theme for today's episode. I wasn't intending that when I said it, but... Weird, wild, and wacky stuff. (laughs) Okay, we have to stop (laughs) putting a kibosh on Carson. Wait, so if you're Carson, he's Ed McMahon, does that mean me Don Rickles? Is that what we're doing? You, you, you're, your words, not mine, hockey puck. (laughs) (laughs) I saw Don Rickles do five minutes of stand-up and on on youtube recently and turned it off and i was like that was maybe the most racist thing i've ever heard in my life <laughs> and i like how people just give him a free pass because he's don rickles but it's like wow that dude made a lot of black jokes awful things speaking of black jokes designing women so the first episode doesn't have that the first episode does yes, not it have does. Yes, the it lovely does. Yes, oh, it does. Well, yeah oh, it, it has did, one right. it, did, it has one but it, it doesn't does, have the black doesn't character. have Meshack taylor's wonderfulness yeah. yeah no yeah it just makes black jokes without any black people <laughs> so being it makes present it, worse. it does not pass the bechdel test or the african-american version of that <laughs> test <laughs> i refuse to call it what the obvious joke is it's just the first episode, like, we were kind of almost, like, in a haze watching it. I'm not sure how... You... 
Well, it took place mostly in two rooms. Yeah, and and it wasn't a Gone with the Wind pastiche. No, it we'll was get to not. That. We'll get so to that one. So <laughs> here's what the plot summary of, of, of this episode that IMDb says. I don't know if this is true. Okay. At the interior design firm of Sugar Baker and Associates in Atlanta, Georgia, thrice-divorced ex-beauty queen Suzanne Sugar Baker, younger sister of founder Julia, uh, goes out with ex-husband of her work, co-worker Mary Jo Shively. So first of all, this isn't written well for an IMDb plot summary. I, I also, that was a lot of new information for me. Right? I didn't know that uh, Julia was a thrice-divorced beauty queen. They made yeah, something, of, they that. made some reference to uh, prior husbands, but nothing more than that. Yeah, because they said that, yeah, they never said how many, we didn't know she was a beauty queen, but they did say, like, yeah, everyone she gets engaged to, she marries. That's technic- That's like how engagements work. Not always. Not always, but, like, te- that tends if, to be the way. But, yeah, you don't think thrice, like, oh, okay, she's, like, yeah. That's not a... Uh, it's not what you think. Listen, I feel like we should just kind of skip the whole first episode. It was pointless. But it did have the best joke oh, of right. what we watched. So it did have, have a... So, basically, the conflict is that one character is dating the ex-husband of another character and is being a real bitch about it. That character being Delta Burke. And they are at a sushi restaurant. They're at a set that looks like it, it was a... Bar? Yeah, it was a bar, and then they just put up the picture. this they, picture of the ocean wave. And they stuck one of the actors from the bar scene back into the show. Yeah. And uh, she, she's like, oh, I just wish I could talk to my female friends about my life. And... Buy a diary. Oh! Best joke that I heard. Great. Uh, and basically, it doesn't even set up what the show's about. Nope. This is the pilot. We know there's a design firm, but that's about it. I didn't even get that, honestly. Oh, yeah. I thought it was fashion design. <laughs> I did and at it, first, but then I saw him talking about a her- I heard her talking about the house. Yeah. Literally, which, the title it, told me more about what they what their jobs were <laughs> than, like, the show did. I thought they just, they were, like, making women. They just made <laughs> women all day. women. At first, so you, I'd never heard of this show before you said, we're watching Designing Women, and literally the first thing that popped into my mind was, like, this is going to be bad, because it's going to be <laughs> men designing women. <laughs> That's what this is going Close. to be. It's a woman trying to write for women in an industry that's all male. So she can only do a couple of things. Designing women in your mind would be a much creepier show. Yeah! (laughs) Like, that had to be, like, what it was. I kind of want to see that. Because, like, Designing Women is such a weird title for, like, female designers. Like, Well, Eric, they may be designing homes, but really... They're designing themselves. Designing women. I think? Like, that's the best I can do. Yeah, I think he went to Bloodworth. <laughs> so this also stars Jean Smart for a hot second. Because she's only in the first couple of seasons. And Is then... she okay? The first Bye-bye. five. Yeah. Fun fact. I uh, took a break and ate dinner and talked to my dad about this while we were watching. He was friends with Jean Smart. Oh. Yeah, he uh, met her when he was just trying to get his union card. Yeah, she said he said she was very nice. That anecdote was better storytelling than yeah. anything we saw today on Designing. I Women. felt bad for her to be honest, because I think Jean Smart's a very talented actress and lots of great stuff. But I feel like the director was like, "We just want the worst Southern accent you can do." She was She's definitely this... hitting the lines the best out of any actress on there. She was wearing this terrible oh, sunflower, sunflower kimono jacket. Yeesh. 
that's the thing is I thought this was about fashion designers, which didn't make any sense because <laughs> Annie Potts walks in in like a sweater and the biggest bolo tie I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. Just like a fucking lapis mm-hmm. lazuli on her neck and shoelaces from and then, uh, 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 knee-high Doc Martens. Welcome to the late 80s. Dixie Carter with her leather gloves in Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, that you want to talk about this for a sense. second? So this show is based in Atlanta, Georgia, and Josh is from Louisiana. Josh, talk about yeah. heat and sweaters. Fuck yeah, up, Josh. They're wearing wool sweaters. They're wearing leather gloves. Like, it doesn't feel like it's cold outside because they're not like they're not wearing heavy coats, but they're like it's, they're wearing it, it like New York no in the fall sense. outfits. Yeah. Okay. But it bothered me a lot. <laughs> screw this. Uh, pilot. Oh, it and was Scott Bakula in it. Let's Scott jump. Let's quantum leap to the future. <laughs> not good. Does Scott Bakula uh, come back in any of the other episodes? Do you know? Probably. Um, yeah. Probably not. Who cares? Scott Bakula is overrated. He was quantum <laughs> leaping by this time. You know the main place that I know Scott Bakula from is Star Trek. Is my Chuck. brother, my brother, and me. Oh, Chuck. Was he in Chuck? He plays he Chuck's Chuck. dad. Ah. Hmm. Chuck Senior. And I didn't know who he was the first time he came on screen, because I was watching this, like, a long time ago, and they well, kept before treating- Before Scott Bakula had entered your But life. you could tell that they were treating him as, like, this big get for their guest stars. Mm. And I was like, huh, I wonder who this guy is. <sighs> you know, a pilot is kind of supposed to set up what the series is going to be about, and mm. they just didn't do this. They just had characters yelling at each other. I don't understand how four wo- women in a room together for 25 minutes, they couldn't pass the Bechdel test. They failed it, like, within seconds. To pass the Bechdel test, all you need is one conversation between two women that isn't that doesn't involve a man. Yeah. And, and they didn't, weren't able to muster. <laughs> it's, not, it's not like in the first few minutes they failed it, because they had the whole episode to succeed. And all they do are talk about their... Right men in their life yep that's it yep fuck this show so let's talk about the two-part series finale this ran for seven seasons yeah 163 episodes were made that's longer than community that's longer than firefly firefly that's longer than that's how many times longer than firefly (laughs) that may be more episodes than the twilight zone and that show was in the 60s so they made a lot more episodes they made 10 times the episode of firefly 163 episodes is like uh, an anime length yeah for a number of episodes for a really bad shonen anime or sorry just a shonen anime i hate cross talking can we can we just take a moment and appreciate that you know what shonen anime is yeah, I have a fucking anime podcast. I know, and it's and it's because I educate you on this. I'm just I'm Ruined just taking my life. a minute here. I know it's great, <laughs> um, guys. If you could see Tom's face, uh, see uh, <laughs> Tom's face. I've only seen he listened to you guys for a podcast, so I just hear voices. There's only four of us, and we all look the same. Yeah. So if you could see Eric's like just smugness on his face when he's so proud that Liam has to watch anime and he's taught him something. So the two-part series finale is a really long Gone with the Wind pastiche. Gone with a whim, I think, part? It's called Gone with a Whim. Gone with a Whim. I didn't pay attention. (laughs) And Lord Almighty. So basically, the ladies have to... There's this old 
mansion that they have to redo and yeah. they're taking away all the history of it and putting in all this really modern cutting edge really early hideous. 90s furniture that looks like it's from the late 80s yeah it's really bad and they're like all having daydreams of like oh if i was scarlet o'hara this is what i would do in a situation that doesn't apply to their situation they all uh, really uh reminisce about the old south <laughs> yeah i have a theory that these women would get angry about black lives matters and uh them trying to remove the confederate, confederate statues. statues they're probably the type of people who are just like he is don't, my president don't take away our history leave that confederate flag as part of our flag and oh my god the black jokes Oh, there were so many, so many in this. At least there was a black guy in the show this time, but so many. Uh, young people would know him as the history teacher from Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide. Cool people would know him as in Mannequin and Mannequin Two, <laughs> as Hollywood. What? His so, name was Hollywood. I forget his last name, but it's Hollywood. He plays a very flamboyant fashion, like he he designs like the window. Uh, displays or something and then i think he's like a fashion designer in the second one and he I'm wears so like glasses made out of scissors that the 80s are done <laughs> we can just say goodbye to them so you kind of moved on a bit too quickly for me to get this in here but i think it's important to note that we were talking about how they'd probably be opposed to confederate statues being removed because like preservation of history and recently i read this tweet thread by cohen is a ghost cohen edenfield i think his name is and he he says he has a master's in Southern literature with a focus on preservation. And it's important to note that Gone with the Wind and all the statues, which were mostly inspired by the romanticism associated with Gone with the Wind, are not historically accurate. Gone with the Wind depicts this time of like, of like idyllic Southern romanticism of benign owners that of slaves that did not exist nope right no like you we didn't have a good slave master yeah and one of the main benedict cumberbatch <laughs> one of the main points they bring up is that like you can't deny your history like they i think they literally say that in the finale don't they yep and i think she says it to a black person yep, yep. you see every time they flash back uh Poor old Anthony, the actor's name I can't remember. Meshach Taylor. Meshach Taylor. He basically does the whole, how do we put this delicately, Three us three white dudes? He does an exaggerated slave routine. He does an Uncle Tom's cabin. Yeah, yeah at one point he even wears a baseball cap with an X on it. He's wearing it. a Malcolm X cap I at one get, point. I don't get that. It's because at the time of this show, there was a big movement around the time the Malcolm X movie came out. A lot of African Americans started wearing Malcolm X caps, Malcolm X t-shirts. Do you think that this was something Meshach brought, or do you think they wrote that in the script? You know what? Because either like, way, either I way, like, I, I bet like they wrote it, it, in, the put it in the script. I yeah, I think they wrote, they wrote it in the script. And here's a here's a side note. So that X later prompted Southern like rednecks and racists to uh, start wearing their own t-shirt. That said, you wear your ex and I'll wear mine, and it was a big rebel flag. Because I knew kids who wore those. You know what's cool about people from the South is that they're terrible. You know, you know what's cool about people who decide that they should display the Confederate flag is that it's not limited to the South. It is not. Yeah, what the that fuck is, is up with that? I yeah. went to summer camp in Pennsylvania, and we 
they would sometimes take us into the town mm-hmm. that was nearby, a really small town, and we went to uh, some dumb community theater uh, thing. Tom, Lo- uh, co- co-major <laughs> cast founder Tom Logney was with me on this journey. Who is not me. Who is not, not Eric. Who is not Eric. His own person. There was a bunch of houses that had the Confederate flag up, and we were like, we are so, so above the, the Mason-Dixon line. Like... I've uh, seen. We're not I, near Pentatucky. Yeah, no, they're no, it, yeah. LSU has LSU colored rebel flags. I have seen Confederate flags on the West Coast. I have seen Confederate mm. flags in New York. I have seen Confederate yeah. flags in Maine, and I have seen Confederate flags in the United Kingdom. Oh shit! <laughs> I didn't realize we we're gonna leave the country. Oh, bro, you going Ross again? <laughs> oh, right, right, yeah, bruv. This is, I mean. Uh, this well, is, I guess Brexit. I was at some kind of like, uh, I was at a place that had a car show nearby, and I assume uh-huh. it's a person who had traveled from the America, from from uh, the United States <laughs> the to Americas. get there. But it is worth noting that the English government did support the rebels yep, in the Civil uh, War. Uh, in England, they call those chips. <laughs> yeah, in the that rebels was, are known as chips. That's really bad, Liam. <laughs> Hey, I didn't invent the English slang. That was yeah, a they really tried to bad joke, Liam. Differently, but yeah. And then crisps are chips there. It's crazy. It's it's a nutty language. They also owned India until the 50s. Yep. Yep. And Gandhi took it, who kept a lot of the same British regulations and, <laughs> yep. and made worse things. This is, I love how Gandhi's <laughs> most famous quote is like, someone's like, what do you think of Western civilization? And he's like, I think it's a wonderful idea. And it's like, it's like, dude, you kind of perpetuated it a little bit. Yeah, ask, ask a gay person from India what they think of Gandhi, and you'll get a totally different story. He was also super prejudiced against Africans. Yeah. Don't meet your heroes, kids. Yeah. Kids, don't You're go gonna... out and meet Gandhi. You'll be super disappointed. <laughs> yeah. First of all, he's racist. Second and of I all, he's Richard dead. I bet Richard Gere didn't even stick that gerbil up his butt. <laughs> all, all, I can't trust any of my heroes. <laughs> I was on that Media Majors oh. episode. I listened Gandhi, to that Majors episode. Richard Gere, Nigel Farage, all my heroes have betrayed me in one Nigel way or another. Farage. He said he was going to get them to call him French fries again. <laughs> oh my god. This might be the biggest tangent we've ever went from like Oh, Eric and I bask <laughs> in your tangents. You know nothing. Where were we? Oh, Malcolm X. Malcolm X hats. So like Basically, he's not in the. He's not wearing the hat in the first one. He's, he's not wearing the hat in the first one. But so they basically hat. all the characters try like think about Scarlett O'Hara, but that doesn't apply to their situation. Like, and each and each female character imagines herself as Scarlett O'Hara. Yeah. 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 They idealize and like fantasize about that world. We forgot something very important though. So as as is sort of the nature of the shows we watch, there's always like one actor or actress we kind of know and usually there's like a a character actor that we know thrown in and designing women did not disappoint because who did they have in that two-part finale patrick warburton oh yes (laughs) within his best looking elvis haircut on that mullet swoop he plays rhett butler every single time except for one of them except for the last one and i think he got putty uh the role of putty from seinfeld because of this makes sense like good for and they just continue doing those characters. Yep. Yeah, he they they have him as Rhett Butler because they think he's the dreamiest actor they've got. And they have every woman play Scarlett O'Hara because they clearly believe that these two character archetypes 
speak to every man and every woman on the planet. Yes, sir. In the South, that's very true. They literally say at one point, like, when Rut Butler enters, every woman felt it or something. Every, yeah. It might have been when Clark Gable, like, played Rhett Butler. I think they were talking about old Clarky Gabes. Yeah. Still, though. You know what's crazy? His real name was Gabe Clarkle, but he changed it. Gabe Clarkle. There was already a Gabe Clarkle. Yeah, there's all this. He couldn't get his card. <laughs> Gabe, Gabe Clarkle, everyone's favorite vaudeville star. You know, he did that classic bit, can't get my hat on. Yep. It is so good. He goes to he goes to pick up his hat and he kicks it away. Oh, man. The, the routine that launched a thousand ships. Mm-hmm. He was the Helen of Troy's face of vaudeville, you see. Oh. <laughs> he inspired the Three Stooges. Yeah, to have a threesome. Do you think there's uh, gonna be like a Three Stooges XXX gay porn parody one day? Are you? There oh, probably God. already is, Liam. Come on. I feel like up. I feel like there would have been an article in like um, Vulture or AV Club telling you about it. I'm googling it right now. I literally Three. assume that every popular work has been or has already been made a porn parody of. Three what is the rule Stooges, of whatever? Uh, rule 34. Yeah. A little bit different. That's if you think it, there's a uh, porn of it. Well, it's becoming. <laughs> so it would appear that most of... No, that's not Three's company. <laughs> Di- already, I'm disappointed. Not the Three Stooges, XXX. Well, at least it's three dudes as the Three Stooges, but I don't think they're going to be fucking each other. I think they're going to be fucking the four women on the cover. <laughs> I think you're right. That sounds more... I just don't know if that's... Oh, my God. Okay, so the Not the Three Stooges XXX porn DVD cover has a blurb from Howard Stern. (laughs) It's actually pretty good. So when do we just do that podcast? We review your favorite Not the Blink XXX porn parody. All right, let's try to get through this. So... Yeah. Yeah. um, So, yeah. I'll try to stop taking us off track, I mean, I blame the show designing women because there's yeah. no plot in it. So, it's okay. so aimless. We find out that basically the the house they're like working for that the so they're they, trying to take over the business. Basically. Yeah, this house is trying to take over the business. They're trying to take all of this history out. So all these women are having this existential crisis that pretty much takes up half the episode. And then they learn that this rich guy is actually going to buy out their company to give to his new wife named Kiki, who is very much a trophy wife. Yeah. Eric was quite taken with Kiki because she was instruction incarnate. Everything she uh, represented. Whoa, she wasn't instruction Sorry, incarnate. destruction incarnate. Yeah. I got excited. So you were taken with Kiki. I did. I was taken no. with Kiki because she represented the burning to the ground of all these women's hopes and dreams. Oh. <laughs> yeah. These horrible, horrible designing women. Yeah. I didn't recognize Annie Potts because her hair looked like a yeah, lion. Yeah, I kept having to tell died. you that is Annie Potts. Her hair is bigger and lighter. She, you know how in Scott Pilgrim when Todd loses his vegan magic and his hair is all swoopy like that? Yeah. It kind of looks like they built her wig. I know it wasn't a wig, but they built a wig out of that CGI floopy hair. Uh, I, yeah, I think I think Potts. they did say in the credits they killed three Todd Ingrams for this. Yeah, no Todd Ingrams <laughs> were hurt in the making of this designing women episode. But a lot of shoulder pads were brutally murdered oh, to make their and, jackets. And just, like, really bad lace. Oh, so much dresses. lace. Oh, we should say Gene Smart, not in the, uh, not a, not there anymore. Delta Burke, not Delta there. Delta Burke, not there anymore. Didn't really make an impression on us in the first episode. Yeah. And they replaced her with Jan Hooks, who was Jan uh, Hooks, in 30 Rock and um, SNL. And reminded me of funnier shows. They, rem- they replaced this, too, with three different people. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, they replaced um, them with a lady from Missouri, I think? 
something like, and a lady from Texas. Yeah, was it? Uh, yeah, her whole. She um, had a very uh, the the pot- BJ Poteet. Had, had a, very, had a yeah. very Texas accent, and her Scarlett O'Hara fantasy was like very Texas. Yeah. Do we want? To, where are we? Wait. Her name was right. her name. Oh God, I can't keep any of these fucking. The one who actually had the gun was B.J. Poteet. That okay. was her character's name. I looked it so up. So in the first, so Dixie Carter's Scarlett O'Hara flashback is all about like the revelry of yeah, Southern. like wanting to be Romance. a Southern belle. I'm, I can't believe I didn't hear once in all these fantasies. I do declare. Yeah, seriously. Annie Potts's was about how, how horny she was. Yep. The uh, Texas woman's was about how Texas women get shit done, and in it, Rhett Butler, like, leaves the war to go play a poker game, and uh, what about... she shoots the Yankees away. And what about weird. the weird fantasy of Anthony's? So then... <laughs> He's not in it. Meshack Taylor has <laughs> Yeah, that was so weird! Where Scarlett, jo- uh, Scarlett O'Hara is just a black woman, Who's and in Jan Hooks is playing Hattie McDaniel's character... Yeah. Who at first is like, oh, she's just doing a childlike. I found voice, it really creepy, but and scary. slips into a little bit of some not great patois. Yeah, 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 and then just loses it at the very end. Yeah, because like, because the whole it. joke is, wouldn't this be crazy? Right, and they just drop the. And then she drops it occasionally, kind of for comedic effect. Only there's no real joke there. It's just yeah, now I'm not doing the voice. It's like the joke. I, it was very weird. It was strange. And then. Um, so the second half of the episode, they're trying to figure out a way for them to not get their company to bot out. It turns out Kiki really wants to fuck Patrick Warburton. Yeah. And Patrick Warburton ends up inadvertently telling the designing women women that this old rich guy is... He owns a dry cleaner, and he does everything. Suits, money. I didn't know you could wash money. Turns out he's money laundering. Patrick Warburton, when will your idiocracy ever not help these women? They solve their problem by going like, We'll tell our lawyers that your money is dirty. As though one person saying one thing about the money being laundered is enough evidence to blackmail somebody into not buying a company. Not only that, I feel like every other person in the business world would be like, well, yeah, Yeah. you have to launder your money. Also, they seem to be having money trouble before that, but now they're all like, we're fine. Like, how were they all fine when they weren't getting business? I don't understand. (laughs) If you wrote for Designing Women, find me and explain it to me. David Steinberg, I'm looking at you. You did a bad job. You directed every episode in the final season. Uh, Every episode? Yeah, when I looked up on Wikipedia, I'm just like, David Steinberg, David Steinberg. Cash in that royalty checks, although it's really hard to find uh, designing women on the internet. It has not been on TV <laughs> in quite some time. So they save the day, and you know they get they kick out all the kitschy '80s furniture, and all the southern stuff is put back in. Yeah. Every horrible atrocity that was committed is still regaled. America's checkered past remains just the that much more checkered days. and tattered. <laughs> And uh, at the end, this kind of dumb woman who doesn't really say anything but make terrible Norma Ray jokes. She has both, mostly done like a lot of character work. She was like the noisy, nosy neighbor in Bewitched. Gotcha. That's probably her most famous role. So let's talk about her uh, her fantasy. Her fantasy is Rhett Butler played by Meshach Taylor. And, uh, oh, God. Okay, so we forgot. This character says Manding calls him Mandingo during one of the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. She uh, talks about how she's su- basically super horny for black dudes. She offered to, like, when during uh, one of the flashbacks, she's like, I'll give you this many Confederate bonds plus your freedom. And Meshach Taylor's character is like, I'll pass. Nope. <laughs> Not nope. going to do it. Or he's like, yeah, he's like, I don't swing that way. It's like, crazy. But- she also refers to him at one point as love slave. Yep. 
Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And she sings a song. She sings a song, <laughs> which I thought kind of sounded like it was from some awful racist musical. It's just like, black man, man black man, man, where did you, you go? Come, or yeah, where did, where you, did come? you come from? And it turns out, Eric. I looked it up. I just, like, Googled it in the first hit. Is her singing that same song on another episode of this show? This was a running joke for her oh character. Oh, my God. So, yeah. <laughs> To oh be, my God. always be serenading, she, wanting to yeah. get fucked by a black man. They're like, in, they're camping. She sings it, and he's like, "Where does that come?" From? She's like, "I don't know. It just comes to me." And I'm like, "Whoa, nuts!" Holy shit! I was about to say, "How crazy is it to have a character who's like fetish is fucking black men?" Then I was like, "Oh wait, no. Archer has that." Yeah. Ah, yeah. And it's an old lady again. See, okay, I think this actually speaks to a lot of the uh, racist jokes on this show. Yeah. It, because a lot of, especially, like, in the first episode and... Oh, I should say, sorry, Eric, there were two different Kunta Kinte references. Yes, mm. I know. In the two different episodes we watched. I, I know, there bring... was, they they bookended this show's run. <laughs> with, with, <laughs> with Kunta Kinte. Kunta Kinte bookended the series. Oh. Thanks, LeVar. Thanks, Alex Haley. <laughs> it felt like every racist joke that happened in this show was framed from a perspective of that being in the past yeah mm-hmm. not just with like the obvious stuff with gone with the wind and like racism being part of their history which apparently we have to honor uh but also sure. when they make the kunta kinte joke in the first episode it's preceded or maybe followed by uh i think delta burke's character talking about either her mother or some older female relative of hers not being okay with races mixing i forgot about that yeah because we almost yeah we were talking over that it's i feel like this is pretty indicative of a lot of like 90s pop culture in that racism was mostly considered to be done by that time it was something that we are living in a post-racial world now of course racism is over and i i think that i think that attitude mostly started in the 90s i think you're right you know there was only one or like a, a couple of racist jokes in the first episode. But yeah, but like, and then in the last two, they were is, like, just "We like, got a quota to fill. Yeah, we're never gonna be able to do this We've show." We've got again. one black character, and we only know how to write one joke for him. Oh man, oh man. Keep them coming, guys. I know it says the same thing, but it just changed the words around. Yeah. Well, is there any anything else that we can say about this? And uh, I mean, plot wise, or yeah, shall we jump into the next couple? Did parts? it meet any of the character stuff? Do you want to talk about that or not? Re- I mean. I, it, it, it's at first, like, there was some form of like, this is the wisecrack, this is the goofball, this is the uh, right, but the, something. But it was all over the place. It was okay. really inconsistent. All right, let's. The characters are all similar. They're all the same. They I do, feel like. Yeah, seem that way. And the pilot, they all kind of look alike and they talk alike, and it's really hard to differentiate them at, at parts. Well, actually, could we talk about the end of the first episode? Yeah, sure. Because yeah. we got kind I don't of remember it anymore. We talked, I don't remember it. Well, we talked a lot about the racism aspect of it, but the end of the first episode does end with um, a woman having asking, begging her husband to her ex husband to give her any kind of recognition for all the work she put into. Oh yeah, the relationship. <laughs> this, Scotty Bakula. Yeah, before he left her and like started cheating or before he started cheating on her with all these women and mm-hmm. started living the fast life she wants all she wants is for him to say thank you for all the work she did and once he does that they're cool yeah they're that cool. was so weird 
And that music cue was super strange. Oh, yep, when yeah. she makes this emotional plea, the music cue comes in and, and it seems to say, like, all she wants is this. And then the guy's like, well, okay. And, like, conflict resolved, I guess. Yeah. He keeps oh, the it... money. He lives in the fast lane. Like, he treated her like shit for a long time, but he said thanks once, so I guess we're and, good. Yeah, and the woman he's having sex with it just comes in. Aren't we happy now? It's like he's, like she's been listening at the door the whole time. She has like, been. Yeah. We're good. I can continue to fuck my friend's or former husband. I'm now engaged. What to. is this, Caroline in the city? Wah, wah. Also, Liam, I thought you were gonna make a mention of all the slut shaming jokes they made at her expense. Oh yeah, I forgot. Uh, they also make a lot of slut shaming jokes, jokes, which I always feel kind of weird about because I don't know. I guess I'm just more of a sex positive. Dude. I just think they were taking more of those cues from Golden Girls. There's a lot of sex jokes, but I don't think they're ever been. They're more like in yeah. Because the Golden Girls all like sex. They make it vocal and they talk about it. Wait, even but Blanche? <laughs> but they also, like, give, like, you know, Blanche, like, shit for being, like, these town slut. It's just weird to watch a show about women and most of the time they're putting each other down. Yeah. There's not a lot of, like, upbeat, like, yeah, like, there isn't, yeah. They have a business together. Like, there's not a, like, oh, wow, we, we're proud we own a business. No, it's just like, let's talk about who you fucked last night. I Yeah, honestly, I think that's pretty common for shows like this yeah i agree yeah. like it's it's a sad thing the, like they have a conversation that's like a cosmo article like how to keep things fresh in the bedroom mm -hmm. and i've literally seen that conversation in like sex in the city and like it's a common trope yeah, yeah like, it's just throw it in i'm so glad that society is well maybe it's just the uh, bubble but i feel like the, a lot of the shows i'm watching that are sitcoms nowadays kind of steer away from the very yeah. rote overdone let's sitcom talk plots. about sex and gab yeah uh, another i feel like also most sitcoms that you see nowadays wouldn't be comfortable with having four women just as the lead roles hot in cleveland would back to sip <laughs> yeah but all they, <laughs> all they did was talk about sex and how cleveland what made them attractive hot in cleveland on tv land yeah, that was their cable, ah, that, that cable big, network that cable, big yeah. broadcast show hot in cleveland <laughs> was that hey is it even it. that hot in cleveland it's in the midwest like it probably gets very cold oh i just have to mention so after the end of that episode uh delta burke's walking out with scott bacula and she starts naming things she learned about him from uh annie potts and she mentioned kicking the dog <laughs> and it was just so weird and he turns around and goes i never kicked a dog and all three of us were kind of like oh he's kicked dogs before this cool, guy cool, has cool. kicked well, dogs this guy is a dog kicker all right this was on mondays <laughs> when it aired 1986 cbs right yep cbs and it went up against monday abc's monday night football and monday night movie and nbc's <sighs> monday night at the movie and was in the top 40 in its first season what? for both fall and spring. Were there only 40 shows? <laughs> I mean, it had a pretty great... There was, like, nothing else on. Yeah. CBS it ran for it. seven seasons. It had to be popular. Well, not that popular, because by the time it was done, it was on Fridays, the death slot. Mm, unless you're on TGIF. Uh, yeah. On... Um, at 9 p.m., and it was a, it would go up against Dinosaurs, one of the lost episodes <laughs> of SDTV. <laughs> God, dinosaurs versus deciding women. Whoever mm. wins, we all lose. Was this musty, crusty, busty, lusty, rusty, yeah, awful? It was pretty lusty. <laughs> it was pretty. It was lust lust It was lusting yeah, was, for uh, Meshack Taylor at points. Mm. And Patrick <laughs> yeah. Warburton. Mm. This show sucked. Yeah. Uh, don't watch this one, yeah. guys. So far, that's 
Don't watch any of the ones that we've watched. Um, the especially the the finale. It felt like a two hours. Yeah, it, it was, was long. so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is bust it, crust it, must it, get it away. Yeah, it felt like as long as Gone with the Wind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. Uh, recommendations? Yeah, before we go, we'd like to just, uh, we talk about shitty TV, so we like to recommend good TV. Liam, what are you watching lately? Did I talk, what did I talk about last time? Because <laughs> I have a new one. I don't remember what you talked about last time. Me neither. Time, but if um, you say it, I'm I watched the, like, the back half of the first season of Riverdale, and was surprisingly quite great. You talked about that on the media majors recently. Yeah, I oh, heard that yeah. today. <laughs> uh, well, that'll figure out have people figure out when we record these in the backlog of musties we have to go through. <laughs> um, but yeah, Riverdale is on Netflix now. It's pretty fun. All right, Eric, what are you watching these days? I've been watching season two of Sense8. I don't sense a lot of familiarity with, but uh, is a show about eight people connected telepathically around the world. That's the uh, the Wachowski sisters, yep, right? Yep, yep, yep. That's the and J. Michael Straczynski? Maybe. I think he might be a part of that. He might not be. Uh, the dialogue is not great, but no. it approaches um, LGBTQ issues and racial issues and the broader themes of, like, the meaning of life in ways that, like, no other show does. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's intriguing. And Josh, you have any recommendations? Yeah. Um. So recently, uh, was Doug McClure Day, which is a fake holiday me and my younger brother made up. But we always watch Doug McClure things. Doug McClure is probably, I guess, most famous in pop culture because Troy McClure is based off him. of yeah. him and Troy Donahue. But I watched. Uh, it came out in 1960. It was a really smart kind of like private detective show. Oh, get smart. Checkmate. Ah. Not a comedy. Checkmate, the whole premise is there's this detective agency that they have to... Solve everything using chess pieces. <laughs> they have to prevent the crime that they think is going to be, like, can happen. Uh, been there, done that, call Minority Report. Yeah, I was, was about 19... to say the same thing! <laughs> 1960. Right, and Minority Report was written by K Philip K. Dick, a, tri a time traveler. <laughs> I was about to <laughs> but say yeah. the same thing! God! <laughs> But yeah, this is different because there's no precogs and no speedball weirdo drugs and no Tom Cruise. But yeah, it's just a really smart series. It was kind of like a, each episode had a special guest star, so it's kind of fun to see like actors who were like super young playing these early roles. Oh, yeah, nice. I recommend it. It's just a really smart, well done show. All right, uh, Eric, thanks so much for joining us for yeah. a very strange episode of Musty <laughs> yeah. TV. Listen to other casts on the Major Cast Network. We probably stuck an ad in in this one somewhere, but forgot. <laughs> It should probably and, be for uh, me, huh? Uh, right? I, Tom has a system. Um, <laughs> well, hey, yeah. hey, Tom, you should maybe do my show. Put put the I ad for my ad show for in today. Tom. I heard a oopsie daisy ad today. Not what it's called. <laughs> I don't remember the quote. Uh, Eric, do you have anything to plug? Yeah, I do. You can listen to Big Time Whoopsies or the Shmanime Podcast, both on the Major Cast Network. Shmanime Podcast is updating. Uh, Every Tuesdays. other uh, yeah on Tuesdays every other Tuesday probably by the time this airs, mm -hmm. uh, Big Time Whoopsies puts out a new episode every other Wednesday. You can find me on Twitter at audaciously yours, and you can find my personal website at nocharacterissafe.com. And uh, you know where to find Josh and I. Yep. So uh, do that, and see you next time. Bye. It's Musty TV. It's Musty TV.
It must be TV. Oh, it must be TV. It must be TV. It must be TV. Ooh. Hey, I'm Liam. And I'm Eric, and we host an anime podcast. Hold on, hold on. It's, it's funny. I, I don't like anime. And I do like anime. And we watch it, and we review it, and I Well, try... I review it, and then you derail everything. Yes. Um, it's called the Shmanime Podcast. It's on the Major Cast Network every other Wednesday. Did we come into that one? Did that happen? Oh, fuck, it's Tuesday, isn't it? <laughs> every other Tuesday. <laughs> on the Major Cast Network, or iTunes, or wherever you get podcasts. Probably. Thanks for listening to the Major Cast Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.